Continuing with the book, Amdutul Fiqh, coming to the end of what we needed to study from the chapters of worship. The Imam today is going to take us through Babul Hadi Wal Udhiyya, the chapter pertaining to the Hadi and the Udhiyya, pertaining to sacrifices. So the Imam, may Allah have mercy upon him, he says, Wal Hadi Wal Udhiyya Sunnatun La Tajibu Illa Bin Nadr. That this hadi and the udhiyya, it is sunnah in the imam's opinion and it doesn't become obligatory unless the person has made a vow to do so. Has made a vow to do this udhiyya or the hadi. So the hadi in general is that sacrifice which is sent to Mecca to be distributed amongst the poor there. And it's voluntary in most cases. When does it become obligatory? It becomes obligatory if the person is a muhsir. And we said that the muhsir is the one who is prevented from entering into Mecca to, to complete the rituals of Hajj. Okay? Allah says in the Quran, if you are prevented from entering into Mecca to complete your rites of Hajj, then you have to send a sacrifice there. And also, it's if you do one of the mahdurat, if you do one of the nine things which are prohibited, then as a way of, as a way of uh, ransoming yourself, from what you did, you have to send a sacrifice to the poor of Mecca. And also, the hadith is obligatory upon the one who is doing Hajj Tamattu' or Hajj Qiran. These two types of Hajj, they also give a hadith obligatory out of shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of thanks to Allah azawajal. But all other types of hadith, it's something which is recommended, highly recommended. And in fact, the ulama, they say, really and truly, this is from the Sunnah al-Mahjurat, in today's day and age. It's a sunnah which hardly anybody does anymore to send a charity in terms of a sacrifice to Mecca to be distributed amongst its poor. So it's something which we should try to revive if we are able to do so. And the Imam, he said, as mentioned, that the udhiyya, the sacrifice which is done on Eid, is also something which is sunnah and is not obligatory. Now, being sunnah is the opinion of the majority. And according to Imam Abu Hanifa, and Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahumullah ta'ala, they said it's obligatory. But everybody else, they said it's something which is highly stressed and highly recommended, but not obligatory. So the Imam, the author, he said, To do the udhiyya is better than to give its value in money in terms of charity. So to do the actual sacrifice in the time of Eid al-Adha is better than to, uh, to give money in its monetary value in charity. Why do you think that is? To fulfill the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, to ensure that this symbol of Islam remains alive, right? Because if, if everybody moved on to giving charity the value of the animal instead of sacrificing the animal, this particular sunnah and this symbol of Islam would be lost, right? And also the Prophet ﷺ said as in Tirmidhi, مَا عَمِلَ إِبْنُ عَادَمْ يَوْمَ النَّحَرْ that the Prophet said in Tirmidhi that the son of Adam doesn't do an action on the day of Nahr, on the day of Eid al-Adha, which is more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than the spilling of blood, meaning the sacrifice which is given in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In general, uh, the ulama, they say that the udhiya, the sacrifice which is done in Eid, it should be done locally. It should be done within the community and within the household. It shouldn't be that you send it abroad, okay? This is something which many of them, they prohibited. 
do not send the udhiyah abroad unless you have done it yourself in your house or in your community. Now, if you've done one in your community, in your house, then you can send the second or the third or whatever you wish abroad. Some of the scholars like Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreen, they said if there is a dire need, which there is in many cases today, in the poorer countries for the food, for the udhiyah to be done there, and you only have one that you can do, meaning you can't do one in your house and also one abroad, if it's a situation that you can only do one, then in that case, it's also okay for you to do it abroad. Why? Because there's a dire need. But if there's no dire need, and you are able to do it in your community and in your household, then you must do it in your community and your household, like the brother said, to keep that symbol alive and to keep that sunnah alive. And so that everyone can benefit from that reward and the children and the offspring of the household can also learn this great sunnah. The Imam, he says, That the best in doing the udhiyah on the sacrifice on the day of Eid is what? He says the first of them in, in status of what is best is the camel, then the cow, and then the sheep, and the lamb, and the goats, etc. Okay? Why do you think this is? Feeds more people, right? In terms of flesh, etc. And also in the hadith, the Prophet said, uh, That whoever does uh, ghusl on the day of Jummah, then he goes in the first hour to, to Jummah, to the masjid. It's as though he has sacrificed a camel. And the one who goes in the second hour, as though he has sacrificed a cow. And the one who goes in the third hour, as though he has sacrificed a lamb. And the one who goes in the fourth hour, as though he has sacrificed a chicken. And the one who goes in the fifth hour, as though he has sacrificed an egg. So based on this hadith, there's also tartib of which is better in terms of sacrifice. In any case, like the brother here mentioned, it's that it's uh, more valuable in the sight of Allah and it's more beneficial to those who are receiving the meat. The Imam he says, It's recommended when you are sacrificing the animal that you choose the best of the animal and the one which has the most flesh. Why? Because Allah says, and that is because whoever um, holds high and sanctified the symbols of Allah then that is a sign of having piety in the heart, right? So having piety in the heart here, Ibn Abbas, he mentions that it's to choose the best animal to be sacrificed, right? Because this is a symbol of Allah it's a ritual act of worship and to hold it in high esteem means that you're not going to just pick any old animal. You're going to pick the best animal in terms of value, in terms of look, etc. Right? The Imam says, And it's not acceptable to sacrifice. The Imam is now going to talk about the categories of animal which are acceptable to sacrifice and those which are not acceptable to, acceptable to sacrifice. So the Imam says, and the jada' min al-da'an, which is the six-month-old sheep, the six-month-old lamb, that is the youngest age that can be sacrificed. Anything under six months for a sheep, okay, for lamb is not acceptable. And then other than the lamb, if it's, um, if it's a goat, it has to be at the age of one year. If it's a cow or buffalo, two years. If it's a camel, five years. Okay, so for the sheep, we said six months. For the goat, one year. For the cow or buffalo, 
What did we say? Two years. For the camel, five years. Tayyib. Then the Imam says, And if you were to sacrifice a sheep, then this suffices one sacrifice, one person. Okay? Because we know, we will come to know in a few moments, that you can have ishtiraq. You can have partnership with regards to sacrifice. You can share the sacrifice. But with regards to the lamb and the sheep and the goat, it suffices only one person, right? Uh, in Tirmidhi, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, the great companion, Rahimallah ta'ala, radiyallahu anhu, he was asked, كَيْفَ كَانَتْ الضَّحَايَا عَلَىٰ أَحَدِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم. How did the Udhiyya used to be in the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? He said, كَانَ أَرَجْلٌ يُضَحِي أَشَاتْ عَنْ نَفْسِهِ وَأَنْ أَهْلِ بَيْتِهِ That a person used to sacrifice a sheep for himself and for his family. Okay? So, the sheep is which is sacrificed for one person. What did he mean here and for his family? Means here that the istiraq, the joining in terms of reward. Okay, so you have istiraq in terms of ajr, in terms of reward. It can be as many as you want. You can intend with the sacrifice of the one sheep that it's for you and your family, it's for your parents, it's for your extended relatives, it's for your family that passed away, for anybody that you wish, okay? Ishtiraq, in terms of the reward, right? In terms of the reward. The humbly scholars, they say, in fact, you can even do it for the dead, okay? You could do it for the dead. But note that the Prophet ﷺ never did this. He never sacrificed for anybody that had passed away. It's never proven in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ that he sacrificed specifically for anybody that had passed away. However, the ulama, they say that you can do it, right? Especially the case where you're sacrificing for the living, for yourself and your family, and you also join in with you the reward for somebody who's passed away. The second case is when you sacrifice solely on behalf of somebody who's dead. This one is a bit problematic. Though the humbly scholars, they said it's allowed. And I'm saying to you that the Prophet ﷺ, in his sunnah, it's never found that he did it. Though the humbly scholars, they say it's allowed. طيب. And the, the camel and the cow can be divided among seven people. This is ishtiraq al-milk. Ishtiraq in terms of ownership. Here, the ownership for the camel and the cow can be seven shares. Okay? So we said the goats and the, the, the sheep, that's only for one person. But the cows and the camel, they can be divided amongst seven shares. And it's not permissible to sacrifice an animal which has some clear, evident deficiency in its eye. Okay, it's in its eyes. Like for example, it's clearly uh, has a protruding eye or it's blind in one eye or something of that nature. It's not going to be sufficient. It's not going to be acceptable as a sacrifice. And not the ajfa. The ajfa is that animal which is extremely weak and malnourished. Okay? It's extremely weak and malnourished. That is also not going to be acceptable. And this arja'u that has a problem with its dal' meaning that it doesn't walk normally. It cannot keep up with the pace of the rest of the flock. It has a clear issue with regards to its ability to walk. And also any type of livestock which has a clear illness. 
Okay, clear illness of the skin or any other type which is clearly detectable. And nor a livestock which has most of its horn has been removed or most of its ear has been removed. So this is also a defect that if the livestock like a ram has most of its horn removed or it, most of its ear, more than half of the ear removed, then this is also not acceptable. And now the Imam is going to talk about that which is acceptable in terms of defect. So the jamma is the animal which is supposed to have a horn, but it was born without the horn. It's supposed to have a horn, but it was born without a horn. This one, it's acceptable. The batra is the one which has no tail. Okay? It's supposed to have a tail but it has no tail, or its tail has been cut off, this is also acceptable for the sacrifice, right? As a defect. Well, khassi. Al-khassi, the one, the animal which has been castrated. The animal which has been castrated. In fact, some of them, they say that this type of animal which has been castrated for a valid reason, its meat is in fact tastes better. And you find that, that the animal is more fleshy. So amongst those who have and control livestock, who trade in livestock, this is a particular valuable uh, animal for them, okay? So it's a defect which is considered in the same time as being valuable. And the one whose ear is ripped or half of it or less than half is missing, this is also acceptable in terms of a defect in the sacrifice. The Imam, he says, and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is that you, with regards to the camel, you sacrifice it whilst it is standing with its left front leg tied. So the left leg is tied to the extent where it's kind of, it's forced to kneel on that one leg or it's unable to use that one leg. Okay, the front left leg is unable to use it and then it's sacrificed in that manner because it's narrated by Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu who said in Bukhari, uh, that the Prophet slaughtered with his uh, purified hands uh, seven camels whilst they were standing, right? One after the other. Seven camels once they were standing, one after the other. How is the sacrifice of the camel done? So it's standing, and where, how do you sacrifice it? You're poking it with a spear or a, or a long knife of some sort between the neck and the chest. Okay, between the, the neck of the animal and the chest of the animal. It's been poked and stabbed by something of that nature. If you were to uh, slaughter the camel while it's lying down, that's fine. This is, we're saying it's something which is highly recommended to do while it's standing, right? The Imam, he says, And to slaughter the, the sheep and the cows whilst they are lying down, okay? So you would put them on their left, facing the qibla, the head facing the qibla, and you'd have one foot on their neck, and then you would slaughter the animal to the best of your ability. And you say while you are slaughtering, Bismillahi wallahu akbar, Allahumma inna hadha minka wa laka. Oh Allah, verily and certainly this is from you as a gift to us, and we are returning it to you as a sacrifice, right? Bismillah, Allahu akbar, Allahumma hadha minka wa lak. Oh Allah, this is from you, and we are returning it to you as a sacrifice. وَلَا يُسْتَحَبُّ أَنْ يَذْبَحَهَا إِلَّا مُسْلِمٌ 
and it's not recommended that anybody do the slaughtering of the animal which, are, which you are giving to Allah as a al-hadi, except a Muslim. Okay? It's only recommended that the Muslim does it. However, if you were to employ a kitabi, a, a, a Jew or a Christian, then that also is permissible. And the food of those from the book, the people of the book, the Jews and the Christians, is permissible for you. So therefore, if their food is permissible, it means their slaughter is permissible. It's permissible for them to slaughter your food, to slaughter your animals. However, the ulama, they say it's recommended that still a Muslim oversees what they are doing. Even though they are doing it, a Muslim is recommended to oversee what they are doing. The one who it's not allowed for you to have them slaughter your animal is the mushrik. Who's a mushrik? He worships another besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a polytheist, right? He ascribes partners to Allah or divinity to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This mushrik, he cannot slaughter, nor can the one who was a Muslim but left the prayer. If it's known that somebody doesn't pray, then this person cannot also slaughter uh, the animals on your behalf. If the owner of the animal sacrifices the animal, that's the best. That the owner who bought the animal to be sacrificed, he or she should do it themselves. He or she should do it themselves. And the time for slaughtering the animal, the hadi or the udhiya, is after what? Salatul Eid, on which Eid? Eid al-Adha, right? After the, Eid al- after the prayer of Eid is the recommended time. Because the Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith in Bukhari, مَنْ ذَبَحَ قَبْلَ الصَّلَاةِ فَإِنَّمَا ذَبَحَ لِنَفْسِهِ Whoever did the slaughter before the salah, then verily that slaughter was for himself. وَمَنْ ذَبَحَ بَعْدَ الصَّلَاةِ فَقَدْ تَمَّ نُسُكُهُ وَأَصَابَ سُنَّةُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And whoever does the slaughter after the salah, then he has perfected and completed his rights, meaning the rights of the sacrifice, and he has uh, gotten the sunnah of the Muslims. He has done the sunnah of the Muslims. So the recommended thing to do is after, uh, the only acceptable thing to do is after the, uh, the prayer on Eid al-Adha, right? The Imam, he says, إِلَىٰ أَخْرِ يَوْمَيْنِ مِنْ أَيَّامِ التَّشْرِيقِ Until the end of the two days from the Ayyam al-Tashriq. Ayyam al-Tashriq are three days. But the Imam and those who agree with him, he's saying that you're allowed to slaughter on Eid al-Adha, the day itself, and then the 11th and the 12th. Okay? This is the opinion of the Imam. In fact, this is the opinion of the majority, except for Imam al-Shafi'i, who said, and Ibn Taymiyyah, who said that also you should include the 13th. Because, وَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ فِي أَيَّامِ مَعْدُودَاتِ أَيَّامِ مَعْدُودَاتِ here means that Ayyam al-Tashriq, all three of them. So according to Imam Shafi'i and Ibn Taymiyyah, that the days wherein you can slaughter is Eid al-Adha and the three days which come after it until the Maghrib of the third day. So that's four days that you can slaughter according to Imam Shafi'i and three days according to our Imam and the majority. طيب, in a situation where the three days of Ayyam al-Tashriq have passed now, it's now Maghrib after the 13th, but somebody still slaughters on the 14th day right of that month is it permissible you have to look why did he do it on the 14th did he forget to do it on the ayyam al-tashriq if he forgot then it's still permissible for him to do it after the ayyam al-tashriq if for example there's an excuse like his animal had run away 
a very fast lamb ran away from him and he had to chase it down and it took him until the after of the ayyam al-tashriq to catch it then in that case also he's allowed to slaughter after the ayyam al-tashriq so if there's a valid excuse then that's permissible for him the imam he says the imam he's talking about now when somebody buys the animal with the intention for it to be sacrificed and he says that this is my sacrifice this particular animal now here there's da'yin. Da'yin means now that this particular animal he cannot swap it nor can he trade this animal okay because now he's he's made da'yin that this is going to be given to allah in terms of a sacrifice so if he says it with with with, with those words had he udhiyati then it becomes muayyin uh, he cannot trade in it or he says that this is mahadi uh, or he has the intention to make ishar of the animal ishar is like you would make a cut on the camel and so that there would be a patch of blood that would be clearly seen on the skin and people would know that this now is for udhiyah that this camel is not to be sold or traded it's only for udhiyah or something is tied around the neck of the livestock to show that this is for udhiyah with an intention so if he purchases an animal and he said that this is my udhiyya or this is my hadi or he makes a, a symbol on the animal to show that it's udhiyya then he cannot then sell that animal on nor can he trade the animal in any way shape or form because it's now for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَلَا يُؤْتِي شَيْئًا مِنْهَا and the one the butcher who's going to chop up the animal or skin the animal etc then um, he is not to be given as payment anything from the meat of the animal okay some people what they do is a mistake the butcher they give him some of the meat from the animal which the butcher has cut up into pieces or skinned this is not permissible right rather you should give from that which you own you have to pay from from other sources not from the source not from the meat which is being uh, sacrificed for the sake of Allah and the sunnah is to eat a third of the udhiyah and to give a third of it away as a gift and to give a third of away, a third away as charity so the sunnah is you eat a third of it you give a third away as a gift family members etc friends and a third of it you give it to the poor and needy but if you eat more than a third that's well and good is permissible and it's okay and permissible for the owner of the animal to benefit from the skin of the animal to keep it for himself to make to make some vessels or some clothing from the skin of, of the animal it's okay but he should not trade in that skin in any way shape or form the ulama they say that if a person eats the whole of the animal right he didn't give any of it away it was so tasty he ate the whole of the camel can you imagine so he eats the whole camel right they say in this case there needs to be an uqiya an uqiya worth which is like 30 grams of meat needs to be bought and given away in charity you can give more than that but they're saying that if you ate the whole animal you didn't give anything away in charity then you need to purchase basically a handful of meat about 30 grams as a minimum and give that away in charity to cover the mistake that you made the imam he says can you give it all away in charity no you shouldn't give it all away in charity you should eat from it this is the sunnah you should eat from it and you should uh, give some in charity and give some 
to uh, family members. But if you're asking what is the ruling if you gave it all away in charity, then there's nothing upon you in the sense that you have to replace the sacrifice, no. The replacement of the sacrifice is here with the person, he doesn't give anything away in charity. Here he has to purchase a handful of meat, 30 grams of meat minimum, and he gives that away in charity. The Imam says, with, regards to, with regard to the hadi, which we said is the meat, which is sent to Mecca to be sacrificed there, إِنْ كَانَ تَطَوَّعًا أُسْتُحِبَّ لَهُ الْأَكْلُ مِنْهُ If it's uh, a voluntary hadi, right, then it's recommended for the person to eat from that meat, to have a share of that meat. If it's a voluntary hadi which is done in Mecca, it's recommended to eat from that. لِأَنَّ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهِ سَلَّمْ أَمَرَ مِنْ كُلِّ جُزُورٍ بِبَضْعَةٍ فَتُبِخَتْ فَأَكْلَ مِنْ لَحْمِهَا وَحَسَى مِنْ مَرَقِهَا Because the Prophet ﷺ ordered that from each of the camels which were given as a hadi in Mecca, that parts of it would be cooked and he ate from the meat of it and he drank from its soup. But if it's an obligatory hadi, like we said, for the one um, who is prevented, hadi al-muhsir, the one who is prevented from entering into Mecca to complete his Hajj rites, or the one who does one of the mahdhurat, or the one who does one of the prohibited things, or the one who makes a hadi out of a vow, then this is obligatory and the person cannot eat from it. And an exception to the obligatory hadi is the one who is mutamatta or the one who is hajj al-qiran, hajj al-qarin, okay? He is allowed to eat from his hadi. So the obligatory hadi, you're not allowed to eat from it unless it's mutamatta or qiran. The Imam says, وَقَالَ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُدَحِي فَدَقَلَ عَشْرُ فَلَا يَأْخُذْ مِنْ شَعْرِهِ وَلَا مِنْ بَشْرَتِهِ شَيْئًا حَتَّى يُدَحِي the Imam says, the Prophet said that when the 10 days enter, then the person who wants to give a sacrifice, then he should take nothing from his hair, nor should he take anything from his nails. Which 10 days? The 10 days of Dhul Hijjah, from the beginning of Dhul Hijjah until 10 days, right? Until the uh, sacrifice is done on the day of Eid. Then this person, if he has the intention to sacrifice, then he should take nothing from his hair, nor should he take anything from his nails. The, uh, the Shafi'i Madhab, the Shafi'i Ulama, they say that this is mustahab. Okay? The Hanbali scholars, they say that this is wajib to observe. Imam Shafi'i said it's recommended to observe this, that you don't take anything from your hair or nails. The Hanbali scholars, they said it's obligatory for you to abstain from taking anything from your hair or your nails. Okay, the Maliki and the Hanafi, they say there's nothing in it. It's not makruh for you to go ahead, if you needed to, to take something from your hair or your nails. The Imam, he says, Babul Aqiqa, the chapter of the Aqiqa, which is the last chapter that we are taking. He said, it's def defined, what is Aqiqa? Anybody know? What is the Aqiqa? Yeah, a child, right? You don't want the feminist on your back. Whether it's the boy or the girl, right? If it's a baby boy or a baby girl, then this is given as a thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as the brother said, if it's for a boy, it's two, unless you are unable to do so, and for the girl, it's one. And it's recommended for the boy that two sacrifices are made, two sacrifices which are similar, okay, similar in size, value, etc. And with regards to the girl, one, okay, one sacrifice. In Abi Dawood, the Prophet said, uh, 
It's narrated that Aqqa and Hassan wal Hussein Kabshan Kabshan that the Prophet ﷺ with regards to Hassan and Hussein, he did one each. So this shows that if you are unable to do two for the male, then it's permissible just to do one if you are unable to do so, okay? Because in this situation, the Prophet ﷺ was unable to do so. When do you do the sacrifice? On the seventh day of the child's birth, okay? After seven days have passed, on the seventh day of the child's birth, that's when it's recommended to do it uh, for the child. Because the Prophet said, Every child is ransomed until his aqiqa is done. Every child is ransomed until his aqiqa is done. On the seventh day, something should be slaughtered for him. And his hair should be shaved and he should be given a name. If it's missed on the seventh, then you wait till the 14th. If it's missed on the 14th, you wait till the 21st. And after that, you can do it any day that you wish. So 777, when the three sevens, if they are missed for whatever reason, then you could do it on any day that you wish. Uh, on the seventh day, <coughs> excuse me, his head is shaved, right? And the weight of that hair is equated in silver in any amount of ounces which is near to that and it's given away in sadaqah. Shaykh Sa'd al-Kathlan, Hafidhullah uh, Ta'ala, he said this is not proof from the sunnah however. Many ulama they mention it in their books of fiqh and Shaykh uh, Sa'd al-Kathlan he said however in his research he didn't come across any authentic for this and he also said that in reality what is the hair going to equate to of a baby child of seven days? So the sharia really doesn't command you or recommend you to do something of such negligent, negligible value. Okay? This is according to the opinion of the Sheikh. And when you want to distribute the meat of this sacrifice that you've done for the aqiqah, it's different to the other meat. It's different to the udhiyya and the hadi. In the sense that you separate it from its limbs. So you try not to break any of the bones. Why do you think that is? So the ulama in the books of fiqh, they say that when you distribute the meat, you don't chop it up as you normally chop up an animal. You chop it up limb by limb, trying not to break any of the bones when separating it. I mean, obviously one bone you have to break when separating it from limb to limb, but the other bones within that limb, you don't break. You give it as a whole limb, a whole leg, a whole arm, etc. Why, why do you think? It's what they call tafa'ulan. Tafa'ulan means you, you're having positive thought that the child is going to remain in good state. So this animal you are giving away in good state without breaking it up, breaking up its bones. So it's tafa'ulan that the child will also remain in good state. Okay? It's, it's this kind of thinking. However, there's nothing from the sunnah authentically to prove that. But there are some statements of the companions that they thought in this manner. وَهُكْمُهَا And the rulings of this meat, the aqiqah, حُكْمُ الْعُدْحِيَّةِ فِيمَا سِوَى ذَلِكَ are the same as the rulings of the udhiyah uh, in terms of uh, what should be sacrificed at what age, etc. With that, we come to the end of what we wanted to cover from the book, Umdatul Fiqh, of the author Imam Ibn Qudam al Maqdasi. We ask Allah to raise the Imam high in the grades of Jannah and to reward him immensely for writing this manual and the many, many other manuals 
of beneficial knowledge that he had written for the ummah. Anything which we did in these lessons which was correct was as a gift from Allah Azzawajal. All shortcomings and mistakes were from myself and Shaytan. And we ask Allah Azzawajal to allow us to continue on this journey in many, many gatherings to come. Ameen. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa khair.